0: You're listening to Oh No Lick Class.
1: Mostly dead authors. Fresh takes.
0: Ruining required reading, one book at a time. Welcome to oh no lit Class, the podcast that really needs a room of one's own because its roommate will just not stop masturbating. I'm Megan. I'm
1: jerking my turkin.
0: Yep, that's true. Usually, I'm RJ. You're that too. And um, <laughs> I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give everybody because I feel like you could probably hear it. Anyway, in my voice, because I sound like fucking Tom Waits right now. Like I'm about to break out and to be like, come on. Oh, that hurt. Okay, fine. Uh, This episode was supposed to have been recorded uh, just before I left for PodCon, and that didn't happen because of a bunch of different things. And so we're recording this now. The day I got back from podcast. I've been on a fucking plane all day. I'm so tired and my voice is shot. Um thank you to everyone who came to see the Rolling Misadventures booth and and also so you saw Oh No the class things too and you saw me and Derek and a bunch of other people and it was an amazing time and thank you to everyone who stopped by and to any like new listeners um I'm so so sorry. But yeah, no, it was fucking awesome, and we talked to so many people, and a lot of them were fans, and it was really, really cool. What are we talking about today, RJ? I don't know. That's a problem.
1: I I don't show up (laughs) with ideas. (laughs) I show up and I talk into the microphone, as discussed.
0: Yeah, so what are you talking into the microphone about today? I love this. You don't yes and, you no fuck you.
1: (laughs) We're talking about Orpheus.
0: Specifically, we're, we're talking about the, the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice because, yeah, that's right, we're moving on to mythology now. We can't be contained. You can't stop us. In terms of, like, myths we had to read in school, the most popular and commonly required ones are probably, like, the Iliad and the Odyssey, AKA, an extremely flimsy premise for starting a war and the horny road trip home that followed, and the saga of Oedipus Momfucker Rex leading up to the tragedy of Antigone, aka My Dad is Also My Brother. This sucks.
1: Oedipus, 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 Oedipus,
0: Oedipus I don't know what you're doing.
1: The Regina Spectre song. Oedipus.
0: She, she, she sings it. She doesn't just say it into the mic like some I kind was of, singing. Like you're trying to activate a fucking sleeper cell. Like you're trying to awaken the goddamn Manchurian candidate. I was singing. <laughs> I was not singing. Uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey are going to have to be some kind of like wild multi-episode epic we take on at some point. And Oedipus is even more of a bummer than this myth with the added bonus of oopsie daisy incest. So for now, Orpheus and Eurydice. Which is I did not know how to pronounce for a very long time. I thought I was like, you're, you're, a, you're a, dice. a dice. You're a dice. You're a dice. Anyway, it's quite literally one of the oldest doomed tragic lover stories in all of recorded history. And pre-recorded. Which is why there are multiple versions of this myth. Which we will attempt to address.
1: Wait. Kinda. D- d- your argument is there's multiple versions of this myth because it's old? There's multiple versions of everything that's fucking from two years ago.
0: <laughs> There's just as many Spider-Man's <laughs> as there are stories of Orpheus in Eurydice.
1: There's actually probably more Spider-Man's <laughs> at this point. <laughs> what Earth are they up to? Sixty-two? I don't fucking know. Sixty-nine? I
0: don't. Yes, Earth sixty-nine. That's the sexy Marvel universe. Uh, so. The the myth itself, even though it was a very late addition to the Orpheus canon, which RJ is going to talk to us more about, has endured in the public consciousness in one form or another for thousands of years. It's not too often, like we talk about old shit on this podcast a lot, it is not very often that we can say this story is thousands of years old, which is Spoilers. fucking wild. with roughly a bajillion and twelve different adaptations of it spanning basically every form of media, which we'll also attempt to address, kinda. Instagram stories? Yes. When I was sort of doing background research on this, I saw that there was quite a lot of the the life and times of Orpheus pre this particular story, and I didn't realize that. I didn't know that Orpheus had his own sort of personal mythology. So because this is a myth, and because it doesn't have, like, a clear author we're gonna have to structure things a little bit different this time and so rj what's up are you gonna enlighten us about about orpheus the man the myth the musical legend
1: so thing is first to understand orpheus was a real person excuse he was a real being he, he was he, he
0: was a real for real dude man yes i'm going to assume apollo was not his actual dad though
1: no we have two options for his father one's apollo we'll talk about the other
0: <laughs> okay
1: all right so I mean, part of it is we just kind of have to understand that Greeks use mythology kind of like... We use
0: Spider-Man? You
1: no, know, more like <laughs> fairy tales or maybe even science. It explains stuff. It was their religion. Yeah. Right. It was. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's a big segment of our current world that believes a god impregnated a woman. So how crazy is it if a god named Apollo impregnated a woman?
0: I don't know. I don't want to pursue this line of inquiry any further.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Orpheus, kind of like Jesus, probably a real person, but some of the things ascribed to him, well, we report, you decide. All
0: right. That's a, yeah, we
1: we, we, we can say that. (laughs) So the Orpheus as a character or historical figure is mentioned as far back as the 6th century B.C., Fuck me. So he was just, what, like, what was even
0: going on in 6th century B.C.? Was that not just dudes in loincloths sitting in the mud, like, diddling themselves?
1: They were looking at their watch going, what are we counting down to exactly?
0: (laughs) We got 600 years till something.
1: (laughs) Man, imagine if a clock showed up, like, out of the blue one day, and it was just counting down. (laughs) Like, that's what the aliens do, that they just drop a clock on us counting down, like it's a test. And this is... Take this out of the episode. This <laughs> is a sci-fi movie waiting to happen. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's good. That's a, that's what yeah, yeah, a sci-fi. Yeah, there network. you go.
0: It's a Black Mirror episode. Ooh, Ooh. don't give them ideas. <laughs> I won't.
1: Enough of my ideas have already been stolen. It's true. So anyway, Orpheus as a character, or historical figure, is mentioned as far back as the sixth century BC, where the name Ano Makeoiin Orphan. Right.
0: What? What? Where am I? Um,
1: Yeah, a McLeighton Orphan. Was mentioned by the hot, fire-spitting poet named Ibicus, a.k.a. Kid Ibicus.
0: Not a.k.a. Kid Ib.
1: (laughs) As for the name Orpheus that was given to this man slash character, its meaning could be broken down into different parts. In Greek, Orphanos is what many of us would assume without knowledge of Greek, but just knowing English. Orphan, specifically fatherless. However, Flugentius, a mythographer of the late 5th century AD, so about, oh, a thousand years after the first mention of Orpheus, give or take, wrote that the phrase, (laughs) "oria Phonos means best singer. And thus, Orpheus shares its (laughs) etymology with that. The thing is, however, Flugentius' work has been criticized in modern times for being, well, not the best work.
0: His work has been criticized for being not the best work. That's a a great tautology right there.
1: Him taking the name Orpheus, a name that easily translates into orphan and making it about being a singer, it's really just the tip of the iceberg. So take all that with a grain of salt.
0: There's a lot of mixed metaphors going on here.
1: (laughs) Boom. And they all fit together. Salt fits into this.
0: And the icebergs?
1: Yeah. Don't look at them. What? You look back, people turn into pillars of salt. So, most ancient historical writers mention Orpheus in one way or the other. The big exceptions are Homer, not Simpson, the other one, and Aristotle, which I never realized until researching for this episode, is commonly shortened to Ari. I never realized that all Ari's I have met in life are actually likely named Aristotle. I always thought Ari was a name of its own. Yeah. I think in a lot of cases it is. Because, truth be told, if I was named Aristotle, I'd go with Stottmeister or tots
0: the totster
1: they just tots i always Stop like stopmeister the... or tots ah
0: i always like the people who say that they they see the name aristotle and they want to pronounce it like chipotle <laughs> aristotle
1: but yeah it never occurred to me that is short for Ar- aristotle. aristotle
0: yeah well they, they are pronounced differently so i wouldn't think of it either we don't call them aristotle either aristotle <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think that's where we go So let's run down the things Greeks credited Orpheus with. Again, Wayne, man versus myth. Being the best poet and musician. eh, Sure, why not? He became the best lyre player in the world. Well, I mean, it was a lot
0: smaller of a world back then. Way more achievable.
1: He was able to communicate with animals. Through the power of song? In general.
0: Oh, just like, hey, sup,
1: cow? Like pig in the city kind of shit. Babe, forgot the word. That'll
0: do, (laughs) that'll
1: do Orpheus, that'll do. And in his spare time, he dabbled in medicine, agriculture, and astrology. So he was a renaissance man thousands of years before the renaissance. So he was a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, a little bit Dr. Quinn, and a little bit George Washington Irving, and a little bit cult leader. Oh yeah. Dr. Quinn medicine woman? Oh, he dabbled in medicine.
0: (laughs) I just wanted to make sure I was, I was getting the right references here.
1: Now, which doctor are you running with? <laughs> Dr. Phil? Doogie Hauser?
0: Let's talk about the cult. The cult's pretty good. We're going to get to the cult later. Uh, I want to get to the cult now.
1: In this one time, it said that he came across some cannibals. And through the power of song, changed their minds and convinced them to not only give up eating other people but to eat nothing but fruit going forward. Now that has to be a damned <laughs> catchy fucking tune.
0: Hey, maybe don't eat people anymore. Let's try eating more fruit. Yeah. Like what
1: that. does someone have to sing or how well do they have to shred on the lyre to get someone else to not only give up eating people, but give up eating any kind of meat whatsoever?
0: Um, also, a lyre. Liar. A lyre is just like a, a harp, right? yeah okay shredding on a harp is a really great
1: mental image this brings us to this week's episode <laughs> of songwriting with rj oh
0: boy okay because we're gonna talk about i mean that factors into the myth quite a bit about just how good a song was this so yeah i guess
1: songs the dictionary defines songs as oh, a set of God. words combined with music i fucking hate you that are meant to be sung i love songs i love singing Songs have taught me a lot of things in my life. Sure. Songs have taught me what the wheels on the bus do.
0: They go round and round.
1: Songs have educated me as to what my shoulder bone is connected to. It's my dick. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with your body? Well, I mean, you know, eventually. (laughs) Maybe not directly. Someday. I know my AB3s because of songs. And I learned about how we burned up the bodies of dead plague victims after shoving posies all up in their pockets from a song. Well, given that 2018 has come and gone, and we're here in 2019, now might be a good time for me to weigh in on the best educational song of 2018. What? There were a lot of great songs in 2018. Sure. But the best has to go to the song that taught us all why Lady Gaga to find bradley cooper hanging in his garage
0: spoiler alert (laughs) spoiler alert for a star is born which i mean i don't know do we want to do we really want to put our spicy takes of that movie on this uh
1: on this podcast it's because we're far (laughs) from the shallow now whoa oh 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 oh. oh. and in short that song teaches us don't drink depression away get help from a medical professional this song writing with rj was brought to you by the song that will win an oscar don't at me. Hashtag Gaga Army.
0: <laughs> are you gonna, you're going to have to tweet that now.
1: Maybe. <laughs> I support the song. I thought it's the best educational song of 2018.
0: It, there's nothing implicit in the lyrics that are, are, are teaching you anything.
1: Yeah, he's filling that void with alcohol. And she asked, why do you got keep filling that void? Why does he have to keep drinking? It's so good for him. But we're far from the shallowest now. In the
0: movie, she was making up the song before she even knew him or knew that he had a drinking
1: problem. The song. All they did was go drinking, it. and he reeked of it, and he was drunk all the time. What do you mean she didn't know he had a drinking problem? She, she wrote didn't.
0: the. She wrote the. She was reciting the lyrics to him in a parking lot the first night that they met. She knew. God, I remember way more about this fucking movie than I wish I did.
1: Now, back to Orpheus with the good hair. Back to Orpheus. For real, though, dude had a fucking mane.
0: How do you know? Pictures. There, okay, there's like a. There's not a lot of consistency.
1: Got a mane in all of them. Mm-hmm. He was born in Pimplia. Pimplia. Yeah, Pimplia.
0: Pimpli. Yeah. Pimpl-
1: Pimplia. Pimpletown. Pimplia. Piria. And died in Macedonia, Greece. According to historians, he was born to the king of Thrace, present day southern Bulgaria, or to Apollo. The Greek god.
0: We may never know the truth.
1: Given that one of these guys <laughs> never existed, I'll say he was. Prob- we may never know the truth. He was probably born to the king, but then again, his name tells us he was fatherless. Mm-hmm. Sperm came from a uh, sky dad. <clears throat> happened before. There's two accounts now.
0: Bless me, sky daddy.
1: He was an Argonaut. You know Jason and the Golden Fleece shit. Yeah, yeah that yeah. stuff happened, and he was on huh. the ground level. He, he was there. <laughs> he was an Argonaut. He got to travel around and see the world and kick some ass. Pretty cool shit right there. Once back at home, Orpheus ran afoul of some of his local peeps. You see, his patron god was Dionysus. Dionysus? Dionysus.
0: I want to say Dionys- Dionysus? Dionysus? Dionysus. The- it's, it's Bacchus. It's way easier to just do mm. the other It's It's the god of,
1: of, of awesome drunk party times. The vine. Grape harvest, winemaking, wine, ritual madness, religious ecstasy, theater, and fertility. Man was a god of a lot of things.
0: He's pretty much thought of mainly when people think about him, like the way he's been presented in like pop culture and shit. Like he's the god of wine and good times.
1: This last point, fertility, posed a particular problem. You see, Orpheus wasn't one to procreate. He had a thing for men which became more pronounced after his thing with Eurydice. But more on that in a bit. So the fact Orpheus never had kids... We had the problems with the female followers of Dionysus. They were pissed off. He wasn't be, being fer- fertile. He was not fertile. We get a very... He was uh, not sowing those oats. Yeah, we get a
0: different, we get a different uh, view of what, what's about to come here and the myth that we're going to talk about, but
1: go on. And what do you do when you're pissed in the way back days? <laughs> you throw stones at people. But hey, you remember that song business? No shit, apparently his songs were so good they deflected stones away.
0: Yeah, that's that check that tracks, that checks out.
1: But still this whole stoning business, even if he was able to deflect it with his magic lyre made him a little cynical. And so he decided he should only worship one thing the sun. The sun's beautiful, it rises every day. Sky Daddy, Apollo. Apollo is the god of the sun, champ. Turned out, heresy was even worse. Than not making kids.
0: Man, you know, I, I assume Dian- Dionysus Dionysus Dionetics was a chill god because his like basic tenets were like being horny and drinking a lot, but nah,
1: apparently things were really intense. Well, remember, he's the god of ritual madness and religious ecstasy. Mm. And Orpheus turned his back on that. And so Orpheus was killed and torn to shreds. Literally. The end. <laughs> or was it? <gasps> Actually, depending on whose history you subscribe to, there is one post credit scene of Orpheus's head, despite being torn from his body, still singing beautiful, albeit sad, songs about being torn to shreds. Will he return in the Avengers? Stay tuned and find out.
0: More on that later.
1: So for that whole Orpheus and Eurydice business. Eurydice. 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 You, you've
0: seen the show. You've listened to the music.
1: Eurydice. The two did manage to get married at some point, and today's episode is about a story within that marriage. (laughs) There are three main versions of the story, one by Virgil, one by Ovid, and one by Plato. One if by Ovid, two if by Plato. I will talk about those three briefly and in turn. First up, Virgil. He lived around, very specific here, October 15th, 70 BC to September 21st, 19 BC. Where the fuck are you getting your information History books. That's what they got. They, 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 October didn't
0: exist in BC. Oh, they kind of
1: went backwards and they figure it's around October 15th, yeah. 70 BC to September 21, 19 BC.
0: Why do they know the exact dates when Virgil didn't die, and not William fucking Shakespeare?
1: The Greeks were really good at record keeping. <laughs> About 550 years post Orpheus. To put this in perspective, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 or 527 years ago. Almost an exact match between Vergi and Orpheus. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, how much distance, yeah. Okay. A whole, a whole Columbus between them. Vergi was born in the Roman Republic and died in the Roman Empire. Boom. It got upwards and better. Aside from having a WWE wrestler named after him, Virgil is celebrated as an ancient Roman poet of the Augustan period. His most widely read work is the epic poem, The Aeneid, which is the story about Aeneas, Romulus, and Remus and the founding of Rome. Virgil also appears as a character, specifically that of the guide, in Hell and Purgatory to Dante in Dante's Divine Comedy.
0: Which is, as far as I know off the top of my head, the first recorded instance of self-insert fanfiction where Dante is like, I'm going to write a fanfiction about Virgil because he's my favorite writer and he's going to be in love with this guy who's really cool and his name's Dante, but he's not me. When was this for right
1: The Divine Comedy? Yeah. Actually, I know it has to be written after the fact. The Bible was probably actually the first, like, insert fanfic as these people wrote about themselves... Jesus. I suppose. And there I was, Hmm. watching one piece of bread turn into (laughs) 80 million fish. Yeah, but
0: that's not the same. Okay, but that's not the same as, here's an entire story (laughs) where I am the star. It's not like Jesus was like, let me tell you about me, guys. Like, it's like, I'm the star. I put my favorite writer in here so that he could talk about how cool I am while I go through hell and all of the people that I don't like are there and I call them stupid.
1: Ovid was born Publius Ovidius <laughs> Nasso, around the 20th of March, 43 BC.
0: Oh, fuck you.
1: <laughs> now, here you go. He died somewhere around 1780. Mm-hmm. Maybe 1880. Mm-hmm. So, Pubes lived about 40 years beyond Vergil. No wonder he went by Ovid. Pubes' claim to fame is his Metamorphosis, which is a 15-book mythological tale. That follows one continuous narrative.
0: And we've mentioned it a couple times because Shakespeare stole a bunch of shit from it.
1: In short, J.K. Rowling is some weak sauce in comparison. (laughs) She managed what? Five? Seven. (sighs) Wow. So seven. (laughs) She's still not even halfway there. (laughs) Pubes was a hugely popular poet at the time and metamorphosis is still studied today and is considered one of the best collections of classical mythology. An interesting thing about pubes (laughs) is that... (laughs) Yeah. No, no, go on. An interesting thing about pubes is that he spent the last decade of his life in exile, both for him and his entire family, as they were exiled by executive order of Emperor Augustus and the Emperor alone. So this is a strange unilateral move, as it did not involve the Roman Senate nor any Roman judge, which, if you know anything about Roman culture, makes it clear this had to be some real serious shit. So what do you do? His exile is still, after all these years generally considered a mystery. Oh man. While pubes did write about adultery in a way that made it seem as, well, maybe it's not the worst thing ever, at the time the Romans were passing laws to punish and criminalize adultery. Most scholars think that there had to be something more. Historians theorize pubes somehow personally offended the emperor. How? We don't know. What we do know is that pubes said of his exile, Carmen et Error, a poem and a mistake. He claimed that his crime was worse than murder. More harmful than poetry.
0: Wow, I really need to... Okay, uh, this is a rabbit hole I'm gonna, like, fucking fall into after this. No, I'm gonna Da Vinci Code this shit. I'm gonna go on, like, a fucking Dan Brown adventure to find out what the
1: fuck Ovid did. <laughs> Last but not least, we got Play-Doh. Not to be confused with play doh To <laughs> tomb. Plato was born the longest ago.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's why you saved him for last.
1: But closest to Orpheus, being born in Athens around 428 BC and dying in Athens around 348 BC. Oh,
0: we don't have calendar dates for him?
1: Nah, it goes too far back. Dude lived to be about 80 back in the day and that ain't no small thing. That's true. Although he never moved out of his hometown. Kind of weak if you ask me. So Plato is pretty ubiquitous across Western education. Which is likely due, in part, to all his writing, having survived 2,400 years so far. This is obviously not true of most of his contemporaries. So Plato ran with Socrates and Aristotle. Now that's a fucking posse. Plato is considered to be the father of Western philosophy, religion, and spirituality. Blah, blah, blah. You get it. Look, we'll likely talk about him someday when we talk about some of his specific pieces, like his allegory of the cave, or some shit. I've
0: started a blood vendetta with Plato. uh, Plato or
1: Plato? Plato
0: in this episode, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, So yeah, we we're we're gonna have to come back to
1: him. So we're gonna leave Plato short and sweet for now. But I do need to leave you with one tidbit. Plato's name was probably actually not Plato. He was probably born Pubes. No. Damn. Aristotle's named after his grandfather, as he was the eldest son in his family and the naming conventions at the time meant he would have been named after his grandfather plato is actually a greek word that means a man with a strong or broad build so in short plato is actually named as such for being a thick juicy boy respect him for his brains but thirst for his body plato
0: that's amazing
1: with that i turn this over to megan
0: Man, you hear about that allegory of the cave? Yeah, no, it's totally, like, redefined how we interpret the world. And also that butt, though. He's
1: a thick, <laughs> juicy boy.
0: <laughs> That's so good.
1: That's why everyone liked him.
0: I guess. There must have been a reason. Um, so that was a lot. So we're going to narrow things down to the specific myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. It's, it's a very late addition to the, the Orpheus canon, but it's the one that everybody remembers. Life-time. With whom truly share with Hey guys, future Megan here. You may notice that my voice doesn't really sound any better. <laughs> and uh, I think I caught something. I think I caught like con- the convention ick, the con germs. Honestly though, w- worth it. This was such a cool experience to have been able to have. And was also like, this was my first podcast convention ever and it was just overwhelming and crazy and very cool and you know thanks again for everyone who came out and and learned about rolling misadventures the other show that i do with derek from the sometimes geek podcast and charles from talk and roll podcast and it's just if you're not listening to it yet like you you fucking should be because it's funny and good and you can also jump in wherever it's all the fun of D&D and the audio drama without the bazillion years of backlog. If you did see me at PodCon, you don't know I said that approximately 10,000 times. But you know what I could say 10,000 times and another 10,000 more? The names of our wonderful, beautiful, amazing patrons. But here's the thing. Here's the important auspicious thing here. You don't have to anymore. <laughs> This is this is it. We did it, everyone. We officially have fifty-one patrons, which means that the witch's curse has been broken, and that this will be the last time you will hear me list all of our patrons out in full. Obviously new patrons will still get a shout out in our episode because that's that's how that works, but this will be the last big list. Maybe I'll give a few people on the our newest ones on the very end a couple, just you know, just to be fair. But uh we did it, everyone. Until some of you leave and we dip below 50 again and then <laughs> guess what's coming back. So let's get to thanking all my favorite people including Aaron, Alexander, Amy B, Amy W, Aries, Ariel, Barry, Ben at JM, Brandon, Brett, Brittany, Caitlin at Rose of Phantom, certainly Cheryl, Chris at Play Comics Cast, Dirk Dammit at Killing You Guy, ES, Elizabeth, Florian, Harriet, Janet, Jared, Jen, Jenna, Camilla, Karen, Kate, Caitlin, Katie, love, love all three of them, Kendall, Kiki, Laneikins40, Lonnie at Lanyon, Lucas, Mackenzie, Mads Matema, Mads R, Matthew, your boy, Chips Ahoy, Morgan, Natalie, Not Alone Podcast at Not Alone Pod, Pseudo Bread, Sam, Sam Ariel, Sarah C, who I actually met at at PodCon, which was very cool. Hi, Sarah. Sarah H, Sarah R, Tanner, the Narcissist Cookbook, which uh, he is a he's a very awesome musician that you should check out on Spotify because he's very cool. And you also might be hearing from him soon. I don't know. If, I don't know, I know, Wendy, White Chocolate Temptation, and Zachary. Holy shit, that's that's cooler than anything. We could have fucking imagined you guys, just more than fifty of you, willing to support and thereby sanction this buffoonery. It's beautiful, and it it really does give me a, a legitimate emotion because you, uh, you help keep the show going. You were part of the reason I was able to to go to PodCon. Um, fuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have it within my vocal cords to get uh, super mushy. Uh, in lieu of pod pals this episode i want to actually rebring up some old but still very important and and full full of youthful vitality uh pod pals and that is the import taste podcast which is a a combination of good jokes sketch comedy and the the hosts sean and eric are amazingly funny and also patient because i keep forgetting the to say the thing that i Told them I would, which is about their one hundredth episode that they put out a little while ago. Which is, you know, uh, speaking of the the Iliad and the Odyssey, it's, it's basically the Odyssey in in podcast format. It's a sprawling epic where they are lost at sea and trying to find their way home and running into a whole bunch of different podcasters along the way and i i'm there too i am one of those podcasters it's such a huge awesome staggering thing that they were working on for a very long time so you should absolutely check it out that's in poor taste it's just a really fucking good show and they were they were among our our earliest pod friends so go check them out so yeah Orpheus was was a, a beautiful music boy And he had a lyre And he played the fuck out of it And everywhere he went Mortals and gods alike were, And animals apparently Were just super into his sound And also often desperate to bang him As we discussed That's uh, the lead tread, to his tread, downfall Shred, 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 shred In fact, if you in had You <laughs> know, baby If you had one of those English teachers Who were, like, not quite young and hip But, like, young and hip adjacent Who saw dead poet society and pretend to be like, yeah, no, that's ridiculous and cheesy and stupid, but, like, secretly, they really want their kids to, like, oh, captain, my captain them. Uh, these would be the kind of teachers who would describe Orpheus to their students as, like, the first ever rock star, guys. Or maybe even, you know, he was like the Ed Sheeran of ancient Greece. And then they'd die a little inside as they said it, but they'd be like, this is it, I'm connecting with my students so hard right now.
1: I think more Brian Adams.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's some Brian Adams there. I don't, I don't know if our particular target uh, that, demographic is going to go who Brian Adams is. Yeah, that,
1: that uh, Robin Hood song.
0: The Brian Adams song I'm thinking of, I'm not sure if it's the Robin Hood one. And the only one I can think of is the, Wherever you go, I'll be with
1: you. No. no, no. I gotta look out. And then
0: he did Summer of 69, which I fucking hate.
1: The Ataris does a good cover of that song.
0: No, that's a that's the Boys of Summer. Oh. That's a different song.
1: Everything I do. Oh yeah, I do yes. It for you.
0: <laughs> Everything I do, I do it for you. I hate Brian Adams. <laughs> <Wow>. Here's <laughs> my spicy take. Oh, wow. I don't much like. I don't like wow. Brian Adams very much. Wow. Um, Wrong. Anyway, so as RJ said, we're we're going off the main players in this ball game. Plato pubes, and Virgil. <laughs> and I'll point oh, out thick the... Boy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thick boy. pubes, and Virgi. And I'll point out the major differences between the three retellings as we go. And there are there are some some interesting ones. Uh, without getting too much into it, Plato really likes Orpheus a hell of a lot less than Virgil and Ovid
1: do. But I guess that can make sense, right? That if Plato was... The closest well, to being a contemporary of Orpheus. Yeah. The mythos hasn't grown yet.
0: Exactly. So they would have a more romanticized version, which make, yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Here's, here's the, here's the story. You could also, you know, it, you could interpret it as a song. It, it probably was sung at some point, you know, before it was like officially recorded. It's a, it's an old song. An, it's old an old song. It's an old tale. An old tale. From way back when.
1: Way back when.
0: It's sad song.
1: A sad song.
0: But we're going to sing it again and, again and again. There was a railroad line on the road to... No, I'm not going to do the whole thing. <laughs> we're going to talk about Town a lot. <laughs> that's the musical of this, and we I might break into song on that a few times, and I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the beginning, and not of the tale of Orpheus and Eurydice, but the tale of uh, Anais Mitchell's hit musical, Town. We'll get there. For real now, the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. So our story jumps right into Orpheus and Eurydice getting married and having a grand old time as Orpheus played music so good that everyone at the wedding is just vibing on it, except...
1: Here's the thing. I would think any story that starts with a wedding, it's going to be a tragedy because it's already starting good. (laughs) It's got nowhere nowhere to go but
0: down. Yeah, that's fair. Except for the marriage officiator, the actual literal god of marriage, Hymen. Yep.
1: <laughs> well, you don't pop the hymen until you get married. Exactly,
0: yeah, that so the word has to come from somewhere and then also have evolved into a weird thing with breaking a woman's purity on her wedding night, so that's fun. But hymen is not feeling this wedding. And when the fucking god of nuptials is hanging around your special day and being a buzzkill and probably saying shit like, Hey, you know, there's there's still time to get that prenup, just saying like, no, no, don't don't worry about it. It's nothing. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. No, no, I don't
1: I don't want any cake.
0: It's probably a bad sign.
1: Everyone should get a prenup.
0: I mean, is that just financing with RJ advice there?
1: That's uh, RJ Esquire speaking here.
0: Ah, okay. Lawyering with RJ. Yeah, Lawyering
1: with RJ. <laughs> Official RJ here.
0: Real talk, RJ. Yeah, True facts. True facts. Get a prenup. Post-wedding celebrations, Orpheus and Eurydice are, for whatever reason, not boning down hardcore. I would say that, like, maybe they're just tired from, like, dancing the cha-cha slide or whatever fucking terrible music they play at weddings now, except that's exactly what Eurydice is doing.
1: She's No. No, this was before that.
0: That didn't exist yet. Eurydice is just dancing out in a field somewhere with her bridesmaids. Who are naiads, which is some kind of tree tree spirit things. To the um, crap, crap. take it back. Now y'all, two naiads this time. So, they're all dancing around and like they're, they're her so they're probably being like like oh my god, I love you. You're my best friend. In which case, I suppose I can imagine why Orpheus had ducked out. Like like well, let them have some girl time. They need this. And it's it's during this impromptu forest dance sesh that Eurydice, who does not have the same super chill relationship with wild animals, uh, you know, where they, like, check out her fucking soundcloud or whatever, uh, she Cupid shuffles herself onto a snake that bites her on the ankle. At least, according to Ovid. Pubes. Uh, and also potentially Plato. I couldn't find where he stands on this one, but Virgil says, no, no. This wasn't a case of Eurydice's dance moves literally being fresh to death, but the result of her fleeing from some horny-ass shepherd named Aristeus, and in her running away, like, she done got snake bit. <laughs> And I don't know how I feel about these different versions. Like, I mean, both both suck. In one, she's happy and she's dancing with her girlfriends, and then bam, dead. Although I guess that one's like less sympathetic than like minding her own damn business until she had to run for her life from some fucking creepy Grecian horn dog. And that sucks even more because it's not her fault. It's this dickhead Aristaeus who we never hear from again. He's just there to like chase after, going me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit that. So yeah, we never hear about this dude again, and I'm just going to assume that Orpheus and Eurydice's bridesmaids beat him to death. I'm sure Virgil just forgot to mention it. Like you said, the myth had been passed down for for centuries at that point. Like, some things are bound to get missed.
1: They gotta shorten it up.
0: Yeah. The main takeaway, Eurydice is dead, and it fucking sucks. Her and Orpheus never even got the chance to get it on as man and wife. And Orpheus is pretty upset, and he pulls out his lyre, and he plays a sad song about it. And I don't know what, Wonderwall, maybe? Yesterday? Maybe something by Drake. Something sad.
1: It's Carmen. That's the song he did. Yeah. Yeah. He really dug down. Look, if he's the best singer in the world.
0: He just sang an aria. (laughs) Fuck, man. That's
1: all you should go around singing. Ave Maria. Mm-hmm. All these things.
0: Well, you'd think that that's all Orpheus would really be able to do in this situation is kind of sing about his feelings, but this shit ain't Phantom of the fucking Opera or Rent or whatever. Like, it's motherfucking Greek mythology. And that means once he's gotten his soulful bro with the guitar thing out of his system, he's like, hey, wait, fuck this. I'm going to the underworld to get my wife back, which is pretty great. Like, hey, fuck you, death. I'm gonna come down there and kick your ass if you don't let me take your Odyssey home. Which, I mean, okay, it's less kick your ass and more play you this soulful love ballad but you know you, you you get the idea now here's the thing Plato was like yeah no that's bullshit Orpheus didn't actually love Eurydice if he did he would have just manned up and killed himself to be here with her but instead like a big scared baby he goes to the underworld mocking the gods like hell yeah I'm an alive guy going to Hades and I'm gonna come back alive too fuckers which I still think sounds pretty badass, but Plato thinks this makes Orpheus a selfish coward because he wants both him and his wife to be alive and not dead. Okay,
1: Plato. Sure. A real man isn't afraid of death.
0: I don't think he's afraid of death. I think he would just prefer if both he and his wife were currently alive, which I think is fair. I think that's valid.
1: Yeah, but when you're dead, you don't have to worry about blood flow.
0: There isn't any.
1: It's always going to work.
0: I don't think that's how that works.
1: So you're telling Um, me the dead suffer from permanent ED?
0: Uh, Are you telling me that all of the dead have
1: boners? Yep, all the time.
0: (laughs) This is an episode full of hot takes. (laughs) Well,
1: whatever. It's called Angel Lust. Look it up.
0: So whatever is... you get, rigor mortis of the dick. Oh my god. Whatever his ulterior motives may be, Orpheus journeys to the underworld, which was apparently a thing you could just do if you felt like it. Follow the train tracks. I mean, (laughs) we'll get there. I mean, I imagine not too many alive people got the urge to take a jaunt down to Death Town, but if they so desired, it seems like it was a pretty easy thing to just, you know, wander into. Wasn't it the River Styx? Yeah, Yeah, but you could just go there. Alive. Of course, once you did, you'd probably get, like, turbo-murdered by at least ten different mythical monsters, but, you know, whatevs. Orpheus gets past all of these monsters and whatnot by playing music that bangs so hard that everyone just stops what they're doing to listen and lets him on his way. And I mean Everyone. Uh, Cerberus, the three-headed dog that guards the gates to Hades, gets caught up in Orpheus' song and doesn't try to eat him. The the Furies and the Harpies leave him alone. Sisyphus, the guy doomed to push a rock up a mountain for all eternity, stops pushing his rock to jam out to this song. Titius, something like that, Uh, the dude who's supposed to get his liver pecked out for forever by vultures, gets a quick break because the vultures also stop what they're doing. Because even they can't resist Orpheus' funky flow, which takes him all the way to the king and queen of Hades. It's a real good song is what I'm getting at here. So, like, what are, what are your guesses?
1: Hello, <laughs> from the other side. That's, I must have called it that. No, that's,
0: times. hello from the other side.
1: It's yeah, not, it's, it doesn't go, hello <laughs> from the other side. It, it's a, I, I it's, a been, a, it's been a
0: long time since we did an Adele joke on here. See, now my first guess would be something like Bohemian Rhapsody because everybody's got to stop for that. But that's a tough one to try to perform solo. I don't think that works with one person.
1: Right, I got to look there. works.
0: Okay. Uh, I,
1: know the, I know what song it is.
0: All right, because well, I was going to say maybe Uptown Funk, Desposito.
1: Wake me up inside.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Actually, hold that thought. Just hold that thought for a second. Uh, we'll, we, we will never truly know for sure. My thing, I'm going to say it's I Like It by Cardi B. Cause it's like a fucking jam, and if even if I were a hellish nightmare creature inflicting eternal torture on someone, like I would stop and throw down to that shit. It has the great line where it says, Flex it on bitches as hard as I can, eating halal, driving the lamb. <laughs> Told that bitch I'm sorry. Bout my coins like Mario. Yeah, they call me Cardi B. I run this shit like cardio. I would give everyone their dead wives back if they came into my house playing that shit.
1: Uh, I would much rather imagine someone going around seeing Evanescence or what's the the Canadian band everyone hates Nickelback. Yeah, Nickelback. <laughs> like,
0: Look at this photograph. It's a picture of my dead wife. Please let her out of hell. <laughs>
1: I mean, you got to remember, you know, this is thousands of years ago. For us today, we've learned to hate that kind of music, but back then whoa listen to this edgy shit (laughs) all right wake me up inside well well, here's here's hang on to it hold that thought hold my name and save me from the dark
0: hold that thought tight and never let it go so orpheus makes it to hades and persephone and he plays them some more of those those good good tunes he maybe does some throwback hits to get them nostalgic he tells them that he came all the way down there to rescue his wife and and can they pretty please make an exception and bring her back to life Bring her to life, (laughs) because he asked super nicely and also played your song by Elton John, but specifically the version from Moulin Rouge, sung by Ewan McGregor, and they do, kinda. In the Virgil and Ovid versions, Hades is like, okay, kid, I like your face, and your very good music, and I'll let you have this one, but I can't just give you your wife back free and clear, or else everybody is, is gonna try and pull this bullshit, so there are some stipulations. Now, here's a quick aside before we get into what what the stipulation was. And so we know the myth specifically says Orpheus gets his way because everyone in the underworld is just so touched by his beautiful music. Even, Even the God of the Dead is like, ugh, my heart. But I think it's kind of fun and also works if you imagine the opposite, that Orpheus is just wailing off key and randomly strumming his lute like a horrific middle school talent show band. And maybe just, yeah, going down there going, wake me up, wake me up inside. And all all the creatures and the beings in the underworld are stopping what they're doing because they're like, oh my God, what the hell is that? It sounds so awful. It sounds like someone's murdering a cat by shoving it in a guitar and then throwing that guitar down the stairs. And then Hades agrees to give him back Eurydice, like just to get him to fucking leave already. And he's just like, yes,
1: fine, I'll bring your wife back Just, just
0: please stop playing. I'm you.
1: You can hear him coming from around. I'm blue. This <laughs> whole world is blue,
0: and everything is blue. For him. God, just take your wife and get out of here.
1: <laughs> I'm a Barbie girl in Barbie <laughs> world.
0: My wife is dead. It really sucks.
1: It's Friday. <laughs> Friday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Gotta give me and my dead wife back on Friday.
1: <laughs> What seat will I put her in? I don't know. Because she's
0: dead. <laughs> I like this version of the myth
1: better. Call me maybe. Let me know if you're to give me my wife back.
0: Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. I'm in the underworld. giving my fucking dead
1: wife. Hey, Macarena. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it that's the Macarena oh I didn't know Herman Macarena was in the room
1: <laughs> or though maybe he saw Beetlejuice and so they do day I say <laughs> Dale, Dale. And, oh and
0: he makes them all do the dance <laughs> because he's got music powers so like in Beetlejuice where they're all dancing against their will he's got like Hades and Persephone and and, and Sisyphus and everybody just Doing the daylight, come and we won't go home.
1: <laughs> exactly. They figure out, how do we make you stop?
0: <laughs> I want to see a retelling of this myth with this version. I think this is very good. I think the world is missing this. But yeah, so whatever whatever way he manages to make it happen, you're going to see is free to leave with Orpheus if he doesn't break this one rule. What's the rule, RJ?
1: You never... Ever, ever go A to M. It's it's a good rule. And you can Uh, never root for the New England Patriots.
0: That's a good rule too.
1: You can't look Bill Belichick in the eye as you leave.
0: You can't kiss Bill Belichick on the lips.
1: Or Tom Brady. Or you have to kiss Tom Brady on the lips.
0: That's the only. You can get your wife back if. You kiss Tom Brady on the lips before you leave the Underworld. The rule is that he cannot look behind to make sure that Eurydice is really there until they're officially out of the Underworld. He just has to trust that she's behind him. If he does, she goes back to being dead, and that's the end of that. At least, that's how Virgil and Ovid tell it. According to Plato, Killjoy (laughs) Platowski... Thick boy. Plato man. Juicy boy. According to the fucking juicy boy, Hades is mad that Orpheus didn't kill himself and therefore doesn't really love his wife. And so he tricks him and presents Orpheus with like a fake illusiony version of Eurydice. And even though he gives him the same bargain, like Orpheus would never have actually gotten her back even if he had obeyed the rule. But either way, our poor sweet music boy's confidence cracks, or, or maybe he just gets too excited, but he can't resist double-checking before the journey's over to make sure his lady love really is still behind him and that Hades wasn't just fucking with him.
1: So if Plato came back to us in 2019 uh-huh. and did a very, re- a very quick turnaround remake of A Star is Born...
0: It's been remade <laughs> like 10 times, wouldn't be that weird?
1: <laughs> his take would be Lady Gaga's wrong... For not hanging herself right next to Bradley Cooper.
0: Yes. So what makes this even more painful is that they were so close. Orpheus had already basically made it out, and Eurydice was just a little ways behind him. And if his dumbass could have held on like just a little bit longer, like like minutes or maybe even less than that, they would have made it. They would have made it.
1: Well, from my understanding, like he didn't look back, not sure that she was there. It's like he made it out. It's like, oh baby, it's great, we made it. Oh shit. I misunderstood the rule.
0: Again, that's where you get different versions. Some versions, it's just kind of like, it's been a really long time. I'm out. Okay, are you? Or yeah, like, woohoo, we did it. We Oh, fuck. All of them have the same second bit, though, which is, yeah, they, they don't make it. And there's just enough time for that oh fuck for them to look into each other's eyes and realize how badly Orpheus fucked up before Eurydice gets yanked back to Hades and Orpheus like reaches out to try to grab her and keep her there but he's too late and credit to him he goes back down after her to try again but this time he's blocked from re-entering the underworld by uh Charon the ferryman for the river Styx.
1: Also and... we gotta point out Hades strict constructionist right here. Yeah yeah. Them rules and rules you both gotta be out. Letter not letter of the
0: law not the spirit. <laughs> So what does Orpheus do when confronted with this new obstacle of his own making? He flops down by a river and he cries for seven days. So it seems a little excessive, honestly. Like after a day or two, it should be clear that the tears aren't getting him anywhere with like the ferryman and he should probably just go home. Do you think he played one week? the bare naked ladies that was a sad song It's been man, one, one week <laughs> since i looked at you i knew that it was all my fault but couldn't tell you one week since i've been sobbing alone by a river in hell
1: is the chicken still chinese they didn't know the chinese yet
0: it might not have been how
1: about the smoking man
0: it, x-files did not exist
1: what they watch with the lights on
0: lights did not exist
1: the sun did
0: <laughs> yeah but not lights lamps maybe after this, Orpheus finally gives up and returns to the mortal realm to wander around and sing and be sad. At least, according to Ovid. Virgil and Plato see a bit more of a visceral end for Orpheus, as we kind of discussed previously. Anyway, in Ovid's version, though, now that he's had time and distance to romanticize it, Orpheus walks the earth, singing and crying and swearing off other women forever because his heart will always belong to Eurydice and he runs off into the middle distance.
1: My heart will... <laughs> Go,
0: go on, on forever. No, you'll go on and on. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Do you believe in life after love after love? Well,
0: that's the whole point. He has to have life after love because he doesn't kill himself because according to Plato, he's a pussy. Um. So, yeah, you'll notice that I may have specified that, yeah, he swore off women forever. And that's because while Orpheus may have only ever loved one woman for the rest of his life, He had no compunctions about going out and banging a bunch of dudes, which everyone seems to count as, like, technically still remaining true to Eurydice. So, loophole! Yeah, just guys being guys. (laughs) Just guys being dudes. Anyway, Plato and Virgil specify... That while Orpheus was mournfully singing songs and plowing dudes, ladies were still extremely horny for Orpheus and his golden pipes. And specifically, the most golden <laughs> pipe, yeah, <laughs> that golden pipe. Specifically, now, now we know the uh, the ladies of the cult of Dionysus. And so, in the myth version, a big group of them come up and they're drunk, and they're like, "Hey, Orpheus, come fuck this!" And he's like, "No, I don't, I don't do that." Unless you're like a hot dude now. That's my new thing. And they were like, okay, then we're literally gonna rip you into pieces. Which were they drunk or on fucking PCP?
1: That's all.
0: <laughs> Something. Orpheus does get ripped to fucking shreds, but since this is a Greek myth, uh his head just keeps on singing and in some versions also starts telling prophecies. So that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you like that.
1: And the sun will rise tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Eventually, yes. Eventually,
0: his head and his lyre float to the Isle of Lesbos. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the Isle yes.
1: of Lesbos, baby. <laughs> and those
0: lesbians save the day by giving him a proper burial so that his head stops being so fucking creepy. Let's go, lesbians! Lesbians, let's go! Let's bury our lesbians. lesbians! Um, I don't think I've ever did. I show you that Billy on the Street video? Because oh. that's a great video. They bury the head, and they also ask Zeus to place his lyre in the sky, which supposedly became the constellation Lyra. Mm. Mm.
1: I thought the Big Dipper.
0: (laughs) In some versions of the myth. After Orpheus is buried, he and Eurydice are reunited in the Elysian Fields, which is the nice vacation-y part of the underworld. That's where, like, the heroes of myth get to go and, and be chill. But other versions, like the one fucking Plato wrote, says that even after they're dead, they never find each other again. Fuck you, Plato
1: there's a lot of dead people imagine if, like back then there weren't that many dead people nowadays oof, there's been a lot of dead. there's people.
0: been a lot of de- but if you're meant to fight they're your soulmate if they're the person you went down to to hades to go save and, and then you fucked it up and then you tried again and it didn't work so you cried a whole lot and you never loved another woman even if you did bang a bunch more dudes if you want to
1: <laughs> think outside the box if yeah. you want to think outside the bun It's estimated that the amount of people alive today Uh outnumber the amount of people who have died in the course of human history.
0: I need to go lie down for a while. Also, I I feel like if anyone was just people who are driving while listening to this probably need to like just pull off to the side of the road and just think on that for a second. Just have a good room ruminate on that one.
1: That that we've. Fuck. We've grown so fast that we're now at the point where half of all humans are dead. Half of humans are alive.
0: Please stop talking. Um, Whoa. You also took the complete sting out of this ending because that's that's it. The end. And that is the ending of the tale of Orpheus and Eurydice. That was me. That was my voice. I did that. That was more Hades Town. Which which leads us right into relevant adaptations. <laughs> uh there are a fucking million different things. Like it's, See, it's Jesus so had to go to the
1: afterlife hu- and come back. Hush. and then weave again.
0: It's so goddamn old, you guys. There's so many different things. There's works of art, there's plays, there's operas, there's there's so many things. And trying to list them all would take way more than like my jacked up Tom Waits ass voice can deal with right now. So we're just gonna talk about some specifics. One of them is the tale of Lot's wife or Sodom and Gomorrah, whatever the fuck. Cause, okay, uh, I'm trying to remember it now that they're leaving like Sodom and Gomorrah and then it's gonna be great as long as they don't look back at it. Correct. And Lot, Lot, who's a guy, I don't know a thing about Bible stuff. And then Lot's wife she might have a name. I don't know. I don't know it. I've only ever heard her referred to as Lot's wife, but again, I don't know a Bible um that she turns around and is like, "Oh, what's going on with Sodom and Gomorrah over there?" as we walk away and she turns into a pillar of salt, which is like damn. Tasty. Harsh.
1: Tasty. flavor,
0: Mmm. umami wife.
1: <laughs> this week on Diners Driving to Die, <laughs> we're
0: sampling Lot's wife.
1: <laughs> salt
0: pillar. <laughs> That's how Guy Fieri sounds. Let's jump way ahead from the Bible to more contemporary famous shit. One is Or Or Orpheus or Orpheus, is it just gets translated to by Jean Cocteau in nineteen fifty. It's a avant-garde French film where Orpheus is a poet and in Paris and there are like multiple deaths running around, like basically grim reapers, and they drive fancy cars and they take you to the underworld. Or or you sneak in and out through a mirror. It uses reverse filming to do really cool special effect stuff, and I really want to see it. And there's only clips on YouTube, and you can't get it on Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything. I don't know how to get this goddamn movie.
1: Oh, it's on it, that app because I looked this up. It is. It. You gotta have I, a library login. Oh. Uh, all right, yeah. There's a, it's a Criterion movie. Yes,
0: which means you can't fucking get it anywhere. And no one shows it anywhere. It's on DVD. I don't like I bought, who buys DVDs? What am I, an animal? <laughs> <laughs> There's also Orpheus Descending, which is a play adaptation from 1957 set in the modern day Deep South by Tennessee Williams. And I mention it only because it apparently flopped so spectacularly badly when it came out that Tennessee Williams literally had to go into therapy about it. There is Black Orpheus by Marcel Camus? In 1959, which puts the setting in Rio de Janeiro during Carnival, and uh, it kind of only loosely follows the, the original myth uh, plot-wise, and also has the distinction of being Barack Obama's mom's favorite movie. And there's the only one that I care about, which is Town, which is originally a 2009 concept folk opera album by folk singer-songwriter Anais? Anais. Anais Mitchell, that got turned into a full-fledged musical that we are both absolutely insane for. Uh it retells the story as a kind of great depression era folk myth and it's fucking great. it, it- doze a lot more into, like, the relationship between Hades and Persephone and how they react to this, like, young guy coming down and being like, please give me my wife back. I love her so much. And they're like, yeah, I guess we used to love each other. Hermes is there. And if you listen to the original album as opposed to the stage show version, you should still listen to the stage show version. Orpheus is played by Bon Iver, which, like, hell yeah. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver.
1: Yeah, say it right. Not Bon Iver. Whatever.
0: Uh, the stage is also very cool, though, although you can only get about half of it on Spotify, because that's a decision that a nice-knit Mitchell decided to make.
1: Oh, I want you get away with a lot of things, okay? But she made that very clear. This was not her choice. There's only so much room on a CD, you see. You can then only, fit-
0: only put those on the CD. You know what Spotify isn't? A fucking CD. It's a st- You could put an unlimited things. It's, in a music streaming app.
1: it's not her call that's in the record company well she, fine they're... she very publicly struggled with what to include and not to include all right
0: fine then i will i, I will say re-save. sorry i'm sorry nice mitchell i'm really sorry for saying your name wrong
1: you should be you should be too it's a nice i'm fine it's a nice
0: are you sure it's nice? a nice a nice a nice a nice a nice yeah, I was right. We both kind of sound right. I think it's just whether or not we stretch it out or not. Anyway, only half of it is on Spotify. Fucking sucks. It's not her fault, though. But yeah, no, I got in on the ground floor with this hipster shit because I really liked the album when it first came out because it was very cool. It really didn't have sort of a, a sh- much structure to it plot-wise. And then I, I introduced RJ to it and we flipped shit about it and then it got a run in the... What is it? The New York something theater? Little little ass theater. Very small
1: theater. Oh, where we saw it initially? Yeah. The Workshop Theater. Yeah,
0: New York Workshop Theater. And now it's going to be on Broadway. It's going to be like a big Broadway show. So we get to go full hipster. Oh, you saw it in its original run in the Workshop Theater thing? Yeah, we did that too. You know what we also did? We liked it before it was even that. In two thousand nine, which we can especially be doing now because there's a there's a song in it that haiti sings called like Why We Build the Wall, and everyone's like, Oh, it's a commentary on Trump and his wall and it's like, nah, she wrote that back in the fucking Obama days. In the in the before times. And now we're gonna build sweats. Oh god. It's a great album. It's a cool show. We're I'm so fucking hyped to be going to see it on Broadway. You're fucking hyped too. Don't act like you're not. Yes.
1: I pointed it out to you. Yes.
0: Well, now they've changed up the cast and the guy, I don't, the different guy playing Hermes, same guy playing Hades, who's fucking awesome. Um, and Persephone, I think is the same. She was very good too. I can't think of their names. I just know the guy who played Hermes was, uh, Benny in Stranger Things, the, the very nice diner man who gets a bullet in the head in like the third episode. <laughs> he was a, he was real good in that show though. Hadestown, I mean, I guess he was good in Stranger Things also. So it's interesting in in what it does and how it sort of transforms the myth. And I kind of have more things I want to say about it, but it's going to kind of dovetail into the part of the show that we've gotten to now uh, that we always get to eventually that we do. And that is, hey, RJ.
1: Patrick Page.
0: Oh, that's that's the guy who
1: does Hades. Yeah. Amber Gray.
0: He has the world's deepest fucking voice. His baritone is is terrifying.
1: I think the other guy goes even deeper.
0: I think he's deeper than the original guy. We, we'll have to listen and compare because it's a different guy. Everybody's different on the original one that she made. That's her friends in Annie DeFranco. Justin and Vernon was the original. Justin, yeah, Bon, bon, bon Iver is Justin. That, Justin Vernon is his real name. But anyway, hey, RJ. Sup? Orpheus and Eurydice. Yep. It's an old song. It is. It's an old tale. It's a tragedy. But is it good? Or bad?
1: I think it's good. It's stood the test of time. And who am (laughs) I to spit in the face of 3,000 years of human storytelling?
0: I mean, if anyone would, it would be you.
1: (laughs) I enjoy the tale and the tales it spawned off of. And Orpheus as a human sounded pretty rad.
0: You might even say he was history's first rock star.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You should make that movie.
0: No, no, we have to make the movie where Orpheus is so bad at music that
1: they give him everything. Well, talking, well you make it like one of those 1980s comedies. You start with him walking down to hell. Great. You might wonder how I got here. Whoa,
0: whoa, wait. Was that your record scratch noise? Yeah, That's a doorway. It's like a.
1: But really, we You gonna go- be wondering,
0: how did I get into this situation? We got to go all the way back to when my wife got bit by a snake after being chased by a horny sheep herder. <laughs> what the fuck is this story?
1: Although, we got to change it up a bit. See okay. what? It's going to be kind of um, like American graffiti. She got taken out <laughs> by the cobras that here she is having fun with the girls mm-hmm. and a bunch of guys come up snapping. Wait. And they stab him.
0: Wait, that's American Graffiti? I know, I'm
1: thinking of West Side Story.
0: I was gonna say, like, I thought you were gonna go for a Matthew McConaughey joke, like, you know what I like about Grecian girls? I get older, they stay Greek. But no, you're talking about snapping and stabbing? Yeah. How the fuck do you
1: confuse American Graffiti and West Side Story? Never seen either, bro. I knew one of them got, like, the Jets and Benny. <laughs> Just Benny and the Jets! Ch- <laughs> <laughs> the Jets is one this side is a, of this yes, Benny
0: Betty versus the Jets <laughs> Versus Jason Oh god I have, Okay I have an excuse For being this fucking slap well, it's happy the Jets you and
1: don't. the what? The, the Sharks the and the shark. Jets Oh so now it's gonna be the Cobra or so the Vipers the Jets. God.
0: Hey Eurydice hey. hey. Alright How's all it going? Alright please <laughs> Please your turn it So really, we can end this nightmare
1: The uh, movie we gotta make first is The Countdown Claw <laughs> it just appeared one day what's it counting, counting
0: down to wait why why is everyone in this movie bane
1: <laughs> this because... clock appeared one day <laughs> well because you have to prep for anything
0: batman this clock is here
1: you have to prep for anything you, we don't know what this is counting down to it's a wearing a mask covers a lot of bases.
0: i laugh when you ask why i wear the mask i'll explain It's because there's a very large countdown clock, and I'm worried about it. That was three jokes nestled in one joke. Okay, your turn, please. Hey, Megan.
1: Orpheus and Eurydice.
0: Yeah? Your take. Good, bad, Greek? I mean, it it is Greek, and, um... All Greek to you? It's all Greek to me. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's a euro. By the way, people, it's euro, not euro. When
0: the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's not a euro. That's a pizza pie. Yeah, it's In not. That's gyro. Italian, not Greek. Yep. All right, I mean, I basically have the same argument as you. If it was shitty, would it have hung around for thousands of years? Like, it's relatable. It still resonates with people. Like, it's a tragic love story that contrasts the power of song with, like, the frailty and weakness of, of man. That, you know, you have this guy, Orpheus, that can come and fucking charm the pants off of Hades and Persephone so hard that they release his wife from fucking death. But that he's still like, like he messes it up in the end, that he's just either he doubts himself and that he's really there or that he's just so hyped to see his fucking wife that he just can't make it the full way. And yeah, no, there's just something very vulnerable and, and human about that that I think resonates with people still. Hey, Megan. Yeah.
1: Charming the pants off of Hades.
0: Yeah. Circumcised? Not circumcised. I mean, he's a god, so who knows what the fuck kind of penis situation they have? Five. Good oh, old good old five dick Hades. <laughs> and without it, we'd never have Hades Town. So like that's that's reason enough to justify it, uh, honestly. But yeah, when the story is sort of done right in an interesting way, like it it resonates with people. The one thing that I think of when I think of this now is when we did see Hades Town perform live at, in New York. It, it's not exactly you're you're going in knowing. It don't work out well. Like, spoiler alert, it's thousands of years old. It, this is not a story that's going to end good. And even if you weren't sure, the opening song says, like, that this is a this is going to have a bad end. And yet, when we went and saw it, when the moment happens and Orpheus turns and him and Eurydice look at each other and they have that, oh, no, you fucked up look, the audience gasped. Like, everyone was, there was this very audible, very tangible, just, <gasps> So it's, it just, it still grabs people. And that's like one of the really interesting concepts that the show plays with is that no matter how many times we've heard this doomed lover story, like not even these doomed lovers, but any doomed lovers, and we know it's going to break bad, like we still watch it anyway with this sort of irrational hope that like maybe, just maybe they'll make it. It'll work out okay. Orpheus will be able to keep his shit together long enough for there to be a happy ending. Bradley Cooper won't hang himself in his garage and make Lady Gaga sad after he pisses himself at her awards show. I really didn't like A Star Is Born. We keep remaking A Star Is Born in the hope that maybe it'll work out better this time.
1: I think people <laughs> like the Chris Christopherson version.
0: Well, no, I mean like like oh. that their their relationship. Wow. Oh.
1: It's always doomed lovers. There's
0: always. But but that's the thing. We keep going back to that well, even though we know when we sit down and watch the story, these lovers are doomed. We're still sitting and watching it. And a lot of times there's that little thing in your head like, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll fucking work this time. But it won't. But we know that. But the story is so powerful that when you go and watch it and everybody gasps still when the moment happens, even though you know it's coming. And it's just, it's a powerful story. <laughs>
1: Fuck you, Brianie.
0: <laughs> or if you're RJ, you reread and rewatch Atonement in the hope that maybe it'll be for real this time. <laughs> and it's not. And you end up with a weird grudge against Saoirse Ronan because she's the actress who played Bryony. <laughs> so, yes, clearly, based on my, my uh, weird burst of semi delirious exhaustion emotion there, good. It's good. 1010 would mythologize again. So, that will about do it for. This episode of Onalit Class, if you like us, if you want to lead us out of the underworld with the power of song, you could do it with, well, not the power of song, you could do it with the power of spreading the word about the the show, telling your friends, telling your teachers, telling your pets, maybe you talk to animals, I don't know, about ono Lit Class. You can follow us on Twitter at Onalit Class Pod, you can go to our Facebook, join our Facebook group. Um, I did a bunch of batshit streams during PodCon, uh, and they're all there. <laughs> They're all there archived waiting for you. Um, If you want to vote on what episodes we do next, get awesome bonus content and super sick swag, then you can pledge to our Patreon at patreon.com slash There's going to be a lot of bonus podcon related content there as well. And, I mean, there's, there's links to all of our different social media and things we do at onolitclass.com and you can listen to all of our things there, but also we're, we're everywhere. We're everywhere the podcasts are, and also everywhere the podcasts aren't. Thank you, as always, to Best Day for our theme song. Our next episode, oh, fuck, our next episode will be February 7th, and you know what that means, RJ? No. Of course you fucking wouldn't. It's the two-year anniversary of Ono Lit Class, you chode. Yay. Yay. February 7th is our next episode, and it will be the one where we celebrate two years of this. But until then, I'm Megan. I'm RJ. We love you. Bye.
1: I may not be a lawyer in your state unless you're in the state of Florida. Then I am.